So what's the name of the series? We, well, it got extended a little bit because last week we had a special guest that was with us. But our series is called, and today is our last Sunday talking about, uh, talking about it, it's Anointed, Walking in the Power of God. And that's something that we want to be. We want to be anointed, living in God's anointing. And so many times we wonder, it's like, how could we live more in God's power or maybe you're in a place where how could you increase God's power through your life? In the beginning of the series, something that I brought out was an extension cord. And many of us might not have known, but there's different extension cords for different things, whether they're outside or indoor, or depending on the material that the extension cord is made out of, it pretty much determines the amount of voltage it can handle. So many of us were like, we would love to have more of God in our lives, but if we don't have the right material to handle the presence of God in our life, it's not going to work out. For us, you could say. So for us, when we want more of God, we want to make sure we're made out of the right material. And something that I had mentioned there's three main components to it. Number one is knowing your identity. The more you know your identity in Jesus, not what the world is telling you, not what your counselor might be telling you, not what your other people might be telling you at work or whatever it is, what Jesus says you are. The more you know who your identity in God, the greater ma the material of pretty much your spiritual extension cord is to be able to have God's power in your life. But it's not just about knowing your identity. It's about obeying God's word. So as you know your identity and as you obey God's word, the more you obey God's word, the material of what you're able to handle spiritually, you could say, it's strengthened, and the voltage of God's power, you could say, you would be able to have in a greater measure in your life. But lastly, is also living in your purpose. The more you know why you're living, and the more you understand the things that you're supposed to do, you could say, the more you'll be walking in line with God's presence and anointing. Because God's presence, he's anointed you so that you would be able to be a witness to the entire world. And he's anointed you for certain things in your life, you could say. So as you do these things, God's presence begins to increase to a greater measure. And today, I'm going to put this back here. We're going to be talking more about living in your purpose. And to that... I'm going to bring everyone back to 1979. Oh, man. Some of us are like, what? What? Like, sometimes talking to some kids nowadays. I was born in 2000. I was talking to uh, a, a kid the other day. They were like, I was born in 2010. I'm like, 2010? I was like, what? <laughs> it's like 1979. For those of you that might be a little bit older than uh, the ones that were born in 2010 or 2000 or maybe in the 90s or 80s, you could probably remember exactly where you were in 1979. I remember I was three years old in 1979, 
And there was no preschool back then in Elizabeth, so I was definitely home with my mother eating some rice and beans, without question. Um, so I'm going to bring you back, but in 1979, there was something very special invented, and there's a picture behind it there that you get to see. A Walkman, all right? So that picture there, how many of you really have no idea what it is. I should be asking that in kids' church, really. It's like, how many of you guys have no idea what you're looking at? And I guarantee you most of the hands would go up. Is there anyone here that really doesn't know what that is? Okay, a couple, a couple hands, a couple hands. But no. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. Um, so, so a lot of people don't know what a Walkman is. And I, I know many of us, we used it often. But imagine experiencing, seeing a Walkman for the first time, you could say, as a child. I wonder what they would say. Check out this video. We're mixing it up on you again. Okay. You're not watching a video. Oh, no. I'm so scared. You're reacting to this. Oh, what the? Oh, what is this thing? I have no idea what it is. <laughs> what is this? I don't get what it is. What do I do? Press play? I don't know what it does. Question time! So, do you know what that is used for? Walkie-talkie? <laughs> Speaking into it. Music, a boombox. Wait, wait, wait. It's a cassette player, right? It actually is a device that plays music. Oh. Oh. So maybe we'll play music today? Oh, here. Radio, AM, FM. Stop, play, okay. What are you talking about? You gotta be kidding me. But how does it work? I need to find on. Oh, wait, I see. Wait, what? Uh, where is the, where is the, where is the toy? <laughs> I feel so judged right now. What the? <gasps> I did it! I don't hear any music. I don't know what to do now. You open it, put the cassette inside, close it, and then you press Play. You actually need something else to get it to work. Oh, come on, that's that's cheap. Really, guys? Cassette? Yes! Yes! You actually need a cassette. A what? Do you know what a cassette is? No. 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 So we have a cassette. I've never seen this. Ah! Ooh, are these like in the movies? So now how does it work? How do you do this? I know I have to open it. Nope. I am not going to give up. I'm a survivor. Okay, I give up. Do you open the front? Yes. Yes. I feel like I'm Indiana Jones or something. So right here on either side, you grab on either side. And whoop. What? And now you do it. Oh, uh, that was simple. You guys could have told me earlier. So there you have it. Um, just to let you know that video is like 10 minutes long. You can look it up in YouTube if you want to see it. But it's amazing when they bring out the cassette, the girl's like, what is that? It's like, 
you know, and some of us go a little further back than cassettes, uh, eight tracks or some other interesting things. But it's amazing because here you have the Walkman. And when you think about the purpose of the Walkman, you almost to understand the purpose of the Walkman, you almost have to go back and hear from the inventor. You could say someone has to explain to you what is it that this device is and how does it work. So right now, there's a picture behind me. His name is Norio Olga. This man is the one that invented the Walkman. So we, we should thank God for him, you know, because at least if you experience. But it's amazing. He invented the Walkman, and this is exactly what he said. Don't you think a stereo cassette player that you can listen to while walking around is a good idea? So to him, it was just an idea over, overall. And guess when it was introduced in 1979, it wasn't called the Walkman. Does anybody know what it was called? It was called a sound about. A sound about, that was the name that it was called, uh, called. And when it initially launched in Japan, they were estimating that they were going to sell about 5,000 a month. And the first two months, they already sold 50,000 each month. So it went beyond everyone's expectation. But here, there's going to be a slide behind me. In the back of your bulletin, you're able to take notes in case there's something specific that I say that you would like to write down. But it, it says right behind me, it says, every invention has a purpose. Every invention has a purpose. And to know that a purpose, you have to hear from the inventor. So if we know that every invention has a purpose, and to really understand the purpose, you have to hear from the inventor. For us, we know that we were created by God, so we need to hear from God. We need to hear from God what this creation that he made, what's the purpose overall for it. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, you could turn there. It says this. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So here we see God creating man, and we know the first man was called Adam, and Adam in Hebrew pretty much means like uh, a humankind. So we just know that it, re it reminds us and it pretty much points to all of us, mankind overall. And we see next in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, you could skip down to that. It says this, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden. So right after he was created, he pretty much gave him purpose and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So right after Adam was created, he was brought to the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. What did he end up pretty much having? Responsibility. He had work to do. And pretty much work, that word work, it goes so much deeper. It means to develop. 
So God was calling Adam to develop the area, the responsibility that he had. And also here in the verse we said to take care of it, which also means to guard it. So here you could say that Adam, his main responsibility was to develop and to guard the Garden of Eden. That's purpose. The creator, the inventor of human beings, pretty much the first thing he did was give Adam purpose where he all of a sudden had to, we, we know, had to guard, take care of, and we know that he had to develop pretty much the area and the responsibility that he had. It's amazing that he didn't take Adam, he didn't take him to guard the Garden of Eden and put him there and says, the first thing that you have to do is to eat some Doritos and watch Netflix. He didn't say that. He didn't say, it's like, you know, I want you just to sit around and do nothing. I want you just to show up to places and just listen to things. You know, I just want you just to be able to play video games day in and day out. I just want you to do whatever you want, like completely without me being involved. No, all of a sudden, it's like there was responsibility given. And of course, Adam was able to make decisions, but it was alongside with God. But we know that his responsibility was to develop and to guard. Could everyone say develop? Guard. All right, so we got this real quick. Then, all of a sudden, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read this. This is a big mistake that so many times we make. It's going to be behind, behind us. We believe purpose is a destination to reach rather the pre- than the present to embrace. I'm going to read that again. We believe purpose is a destination to reach rather than the present to embrace. I know so many times you, you might have heard something like this. Yesterday's the past, tomorrow's the future, but today's a gift that is why it's called present. So think about this. Do you believe purpose is a destination you have to reach? Because I believe deep down inside... All of us, to one degree or another, at one point in our walk, we believe purpose is a destination for us to reach. It's like, I'll be able to do what I need to do for God when I get there. When I'm doing that is when I'm really going to be fulfilled and I know I'm going to be doing what God wants me to do. If I had a different job and I was over there, then things would be very different. If I didn't have the family that I had now, and my family would be different, I would be able to be over there with God and doing the things God wants me to do. If I had the career and the education and the knowledge to be able to do what God wants me to do, I could be over there to do what he wants me to do. If I had more skills, if I knew more in general of the Bible, I would be able to be over there. If I didn't have the debt that I have, I would be over there. If I, if I didn't have this crazy nine-to-five job that I completely hate and I'm longing to leave, I would be over there doing what God wants me to do. 
if I was plugged in with better friends overall or plugged into a specific ministry you could think of, then I would be able to do God's will over there. Is your purpose a destination? Because if you believe your purpose is a destination, you've believed one of the biggest lies the enemy whispers in our hearts and minds. Oh, when I all of a sudden, when I get my bachelor's degree or my graduate degree or whatever it is, then that's when I'm able to do what I need to do for God. But there, just how I, I read it before, we believe purpose is a destination to reach rather than the present to embrace. We spend so much time thinking about how different things would be over there that we miss out on our opportunities over here. We're not in our present. We're not embracing our present. So all of a sudden, you know, like God didn't put Adam in the Garden of Eden and say, hey, worry about the future over there. It's like, no, you need to develop things where you're at right now. You need to develop the garden that you have right now, and you need to guard that garden wherever God has placed us. And what's amazing, too, is that when we think about Adam, and we know that he's our representation, you, you, when, you, when you think about being creation, and of course in Jesus, we're a new creation, but what I'm saying is like here you have the first invention, you could say, from God, and you see the model that's done, and you see how he's planted somewhere, and all of a sudden he's told to develop that area and to guard it. Right now, this moment, every single person that's in this room and everyone watching through the live stream, you've been planted in a garden. You're in a garden right now. At this moment, you are in a garden. And God's calling and purpose is to develop in the garden that's in, that you're in right now. And not only to develop it, but to guard it. Right, it's not a coincidence, the parents that you had, where you were born, whether you were born here in Elizabeth or you were born in another country or another state. It's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence that journey that you've been on. Obviously, so many times we've made our own decisions along the way, but God's sovereign. He sees all. And of course, he works all things according to his main purpose. It's not a coincidence, the circumstances that you find yourself in even at this moment. Some of it's messes that we've created ourselves, and some of it is decisions that we've made that are not considered messes, but right now, this moment, we're there. And then right now, this moment, we know that there's so many different things in our life that we would want to change. I mentioned before about work. We might not be satisfied where we're at at the moment. But I tell you this much, without question, your purpose is to develop where you're at until God changes your job. Wherever the garden is, whatever the boundaries of your garden is, you need to develop every area that's there. In your family, even those family members you can't stand and you try to avoid, 
you might not be moving to a bigger garden until you develop that area first. Those family members you avoid, you don't want to be with. The spouse that you have, are you doing everything to develop them so they could grow in the Lord and understand more the things of God? You know, what about your children? Are you developing your children and doing everything you can with that? What about your boyfriend or your girlfriend? Are you shining the light of Jesus or doing the complete opposite? Are you developing pretty much those in your workplace? Are you developing those, the the grounds of the neighborhood that you're in? Do you avoid when you see your neighbors? Your neighbors, all of a sudden, they come and you start ducking. You're like, nah, yo, chill. I don't want to see nobody. All of a sudden, your neighbor, which is not only, I mean, we're talking, we're talking about our spiritual garden that God g- gave you, but your neighbor, that's pretty much or, or your physical garden, too. They live pretty close to you. But all of a sudden, you don't even want to deal with your neighbors. But yet, in the Bible, it says to love your neighbors. How can you love your neighbor if you don't even want to talk to them? I just had two new neighbors move next to my house, one across the street and one next to me. And something I love to do is anytime someone moves new, I'll show up and I'll give them a gift and welcome them to the neighborhood. But why am I doing that? I'm doing that to build a relationship with them so that they would have a voice in their life of hope, hopefully they see Jesus shining brightly through my life to them. So are we developing the areas you're in? Because right now, this moment, wherever you are, wherever you find yourself in, at work or school, your responsibilities, where you're at, that is your garden at the moment. And until God changes your area probably expands it, decreases it, adds to it, whatever it may be. Your purpose in your life is to develop where you're at and maximize it to your fullest potential. But it's not just developing it, it's to take care of it and to guard it. I was mentioning today, we had class 101, and we were talking about just how beautiful it is to have our, a relationship with God. And that responsibility... To take care of our relationship with God is yours and yours alone. You have to, I don't care how old you are, you have to take ownership of your walk with God. And what it is too is that so many times we could blame so many different people of why our relationship is not good with God. Oh, my parents. Oh, no, no, it's my spouse. She drives me crazy or he drives me crazy. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's work. If, if work would have been di- different, my relationship with God would be different. No, it's my friends. You know what I mean? Like, they, they're always steering me in the wrong direction. And obviously, it's your choice whether to follow or not. But even if you choose to even keep them as friends and not go their way, your relationship with God is your responsibility. You can't blame the church. There's so many, so, so many people that... They, they, church hop. They go from church to church. It's like, I don't like that church. Let me tell you something. There's no perfect church until you get to heaven. No perfect church. You're going to be hopping churches until you hop until you, you die. You know what I mean? Like, there's no perfect church. 
And so many times you hop, you're like, no, I'm not getting fed here. I don't like this. I don't like that, blah, blah, blah. That's a reflection of your walk with Christ more than any other church. Because in reality, it's your responsibility to guard what God has done in your heart and to develop it. Your relationship with God, build it up. I know in my own life, I know myself better than anyone else does. Of course, God knows me better, but when it comes to here, I've known Jen since she was 12 years old, and she doesn't know me better than I know myself. And I just know certain moments where I know my heart is struggling a little bit, whatever it may be, like just because of the weight of responsibility or the, the things I'm going through or circumstances that are taking place. And I just know that at those moments, it's my responsibility to guard my heart. It's my responsibility to guard my relationship with God. It's my responsibility to make sure that the garden that God's given me, the boundaries of influence that he's given me, I have to protect that. I can't expect anyone else to do that for me. It's my responsibility. So in those moments, I know what I need to do. There's time periods. It could be in the middle of winter. I love going to the ocean. And I'll go to the ocean. I'll sit there in the evening. Sometimes I'm by myself, no one in sight, just watching the waves crash, and I'm talking to God. And I just know that when I spend that extended time away, a couple hours just in front of the ocean, God and I, no matter what's happening in my life. My life around me could be mountains falling apart, but as long as we're good, we're good. So all of a sudden, it's like there, I'll do whatever I have to do to make sure that I'm guarding that. Are you doing the same? So my question for you is, are you developing the garden that you find yourself in today? Or do you just complain about your garden? Is your words just about complaining about where you find yourself instead of doing, looking to God, be like, God, I don't know why I'm working here, but you know, help me use this time that I'm here to glorify you and to do anything you would want me to do while I'm here. And let me tell you something. If everything that comes out of your lips is more complaints or worrying or this or that, so many different things, what happens is you're, you're, already, you're already blocked. Whatever God is trying to communicate to you, you already filled your mind on what's happening. You've already painted the picture of your life when God wants to do something completely different. So as we continue... I just want to remind you that this journey we are in to develop ourselves and to guard pretty much our garden and our journey of finding our purpose, it's a process. It's a process. It's taking steps. I gave the example last time I taught that like a lot of times people don't like to take steps. And I know uh, Joelle mentioned it um, too. It's like so many times we want to rush through. We want to take elevators. We want to do this and that. God works very differently from that. God wants us to take one step at a time in our journey and be able to do everything we can in that journey. 
than reaching, than getting caught up with the destination. There's going to be a statement right behind me too. It says this, the fulfillment and purpose that you long to experience will only be reached through your daily faithfulness in working and guarding the garden that God has given you. The fulfillment and purpose that you long to experience will only be reached through your daily faithfulness. It's a process. It's a journey. So many times we think the grass is greener on the other side. Oh, if, if my spouse would be like their spouse, our, our, our marriage would be better. You know, if I had that type of job, if I had that type of job, things would be better. You know, if I had, you know what I mean? All of a sudden, we always think the grass is greener on the other side. And it's been said before that the grass is not greener on the other side. It might look greener, especially with Facebook posts and social media posts. A lot of people, what they post in social media, it's not reality. It's what they want you to think their life is like. But the grass is not re- greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. The grass is greener where you take care of it. Like, it, it, it's, it, it's funny. I know Jen, I don't think she's, um, she's here t- um, today. Our little one, one of our dogs, um, is not doing well physically. And so she's home right now. Uh, our oldest looks like she's going to pass away, maybe even today. So, uh, so keep Jen in your prayers because that's, that's my baby, but th- that's, that's definitely Jen's baby. But Jen is not here today, so I could say a little example about the grass is greener on the other side that you think. Um, pretty much, literally, one of my neighbors uh, uh, on the other side of me, the Bruccinellis, amazing Italian family, as you can tell, Bruccinelli. <laughs> so they're on the other side of me. They have the most gorgeous garden. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, their backyard the flowers that they have are amazing, right? So, but we have a reputation, um, and like Jen is usually out there more than I am. Um, we don't have green thumbs, you know what I mean? We tend to kill like everything we plant, <laughs> like you know what I mean? And and it's like literally we. It's like we'll plant something, and like <laughs> within two weeks, even sometimes when Jen is like, Carlos, who go to Home Depot to buy new flowers to put in the backyard, my heart cringes. My heart's like, no, why? They're going to die. Like, you know what I mean? Like, why are we going to waste money on flowers when they're going to die? That's like such a waste of money. So it's not like, I have to say, I have to have more hope in my heart and, and stuff when it comes to that. But I know that there's a pattern. There's a pattern. So, so all I know is that we try and they always die type of thing. And one time we were talking to her, right? And it's like, you know, it's like, hey, how do you get this beautiful garden and stuff like that? And she's like, I spend all day here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I water it like two or three times a day. I pull out weeds almost every day. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she starts saying everything she does. And I look at Jen, we water that thing like, what? <laughs> I was like, that, we water that thing when we pray that it rains. You know what I mean? Like, we don't water nothing. So that's why they die. You know what I mean? Like, so, so when you think about it, that's a perfect example. It's, it's like, my girl is taking care of her garden. Every day she's watering it. 
Every day she's pulling out weeds, guarding it, developing it. And then on my side, it's an example of what you don't want your spiritual garden to look like. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't want to go through life and just be like, hey, God, just when your rain comes, you know what I mean? Like your presence once in a while, hopefully I don't die. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's not good. Like, you know, you need to on a daily basis do what you have to do. So that was a little easier without Jen here. That was a little easier without Jen here. But th this is the thing. After we know that Adam was created and he was given purpose, put in the garden to develop and guard it, all of a sudden the next step is that he was given a choice. And we're going to read that Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 to 17. It says this. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So right here, God, this was even before Eve was even created, like God gave Adam that command. So he was created, given purpose to develop and guard and then all of a sudden, you have a choice. You have a choice to develop and guard this garden that you have. The same way every single one of us, we have a choice. We have a garden. This Sunday morning, to you, for some of us, it might just be another Sunday morning. It's like, I checked it off the list. I went to church. But are we going to be developing and guarding our garden? Are you going to be applying what you're learning even today? So we need to know this, and many of us know this. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus speaking about the enemy says, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Steal. Say steal. Kill. Destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So all of a sudden, we know that Adam and Eve have a choice. But then someone comes into the picture, and we're going to pick it up there, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, something I want you to realize, too, with that is that it doesn't say, I want to keep the verse there. It doesn't say, now serpents were the more crafty than any wild animals. It says, the serpent. So it's highlighting a specific serpent. So it's not the putting in the category all the serpents were the more crafty. It says the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord had made. Something I always think about, it's amazing to me that when here comes a snake to them talking, okay? A talking snake. And 
they weren't even phased by it. They were cool with it. She wasn't in shock or be like, what is that? And when you think about it, it's like when, when we think about it, when the snakes, when the, when the serpent was cursed and when snakes were cursed, they were pretty much said, um, um, God pretty much said, you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. But he never said anything about the ability to speak. That you're going to be taking away the ability to speak. Now, obviously, this doesn't show any detail here when it comes to this. But I believe that the snakes weren't, weren't able to speak before either. At all. Because when you think about it, if, if God didn't say, like, now you won't be able to speak at all. You're going to crawl on your belly and you won't be able to speak. It would be said, but it wasn't said. And when you think about it, too, snakes aren't speaking even today. Like, you know, if you see a talking snake, you know, we'll pray for you. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, snakes aren't talking today. So when I think about this, what, what comes to my mind is like all of a sudden, it's not the serpents, it's the serpent. It's so crafty that it made its way in the garden, talking and spending time whenever they can to them, until the serpent found the best opportunity to challenge them and tempt them in this way. But when the serpent did, it wasn't like Eve was shocked to see it. It wasn't like Adam was like, what in the world is happening here with a talking serpent? But what's happening here is a clear example that when you're not guarding your garden, all of a sudden, when you least expect it, the serpent will try to kill steal, and destroy you. Right now, at this very moment, there's things in our lives, in our garden, that we're called to guard against. And right now, this moment, it hasn't striked, you could say, and bit us and shot us with its venom, you could say. But we're entertaining it. We're petting the snake when it comes around. We're not shocked with the things that the snake says because the snake is almost like a household pet now in the garden. That snake had no business to be in that garden. That serpent had no business to be there with the responsibilities that they had. And a lot of times we feel as though it's like, you know, it's like, the fall happened, of course, when they ate from the fruit, but it was a slippery slope. I believe little by little they let their guard down and they let the boundaries get closer to their heart, you could say, instead of being far apart, not letting anything get close until the moment came where they fell. We don't fall from God overnight. We don't. And right now, this moment, if I tell you, it's like, would you ever deny Jesus? I believe almost all of us, we would say no. If we're faced with it face to face. 
But the enemy has an interesting way that, like a slippery snake crafty to try to let us invite it into our lives so it could destroy us when we least expect it and keep us away from the destiny that God has for us. Before the fall ever took place, Adam and Eve were used to the voice of the enemy. And there's going to be a slide right behind me. When the enemy doesn't startle and shock you anymore, you have welcomed and accepted his voice to have a say in your own personal garden. So when the enemy doesn't startle and shock you anymore, you have welcomed and accepted his voice to have a say in your own personal garden. Sometimes in our own minds, we're not even shocked by the things that we think about. Our lustful thoughts or our thoughts of doing things to hurt ourselves or to hurt others or doing things that you know are so out of character, we don't even think it's not even like, like we don't, we're, we're almost not phased by it that much. It's just because we got so used to the whispers of Satan that we've just accepted it as a voice that has a say in our garden. But it's up to us not to listen to the serpent. It's up to us not to listen to the voice. Think about so many th the things that the enemy has said to you and that you've believed in your own life. I'm going to read to you a couple key verses for you to even know. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, I want you to be reminded that it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So in advance, we know that God knit us together in our mother's womb in Psalm 139. It, it, it highlights it, and we're going to read that verse in a little bit. But we know that God has plan, specific good works planned ahead of time for us to do, for us to develop. And those good works are involved in the garden that we're in at the moment. In Psalm 139, 16, it says this, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Now think about that. It's like every day of my life was recorded in your book. God knows every day that we're going to live. And he also knows the potential of what our garden could be developed as. Like here even behind me, there's a huge book here. And I want you to picture this book being the book that God has of your life. Every single day, is recorded, you could say, but not just every single day, but the potential that you have in him. 
He knows your gifts. He knows your talents. He knows your experiences. He knows your personality. He knows what you've been through. He knows your resources. He knows everything about you. And he knows if you are submit and surrender to him your entire life and allow him to transform you and develop the garden that you are in at the moment, you'll be able to see the fruit filling the pages of his book. He sees not just every single day, but he sees the potential of your entire life. But here, on the opposite side, is a very simple book. And this book is a three-subject notebook. This book is really what Satan's story is for your life. And the reason why I picked the three-subject notebook is because it's very simple. The enemy has three subjects on your life that he wants to do. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Three subjects. And here he has it laid out, marked out. And his goal is just to kill you, to steal whatever God has for you, and to destroy your life. And here in the middle is a blank journal. This is the pages that God has given you that you decide what's going to be written here. I believe that you could say in spiritually in heaven, there's a book recorded. You could say here, it said every day is recorded of my life. Like you could say symbolically, there's a book you could say that has all of the potential of what God wants to do in my life, in your life, in detail, everything he wants to do. And then on this other side, there's a three-subject notebook that the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. But what you hold is your pages of your life. It's your decisions on whether you're going to make the reality of what God wants to do in your life become your reality. Or is what the enemy wants to do going to become your reality? And that decision is only yours. No one else can make that decision. In Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 through 10, it says this. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no one else. I am God, and there is none like me. And I love the next statement. Declaring the end from the beginning. So to him, it's not like a surprise of where he wants to take you. Declaring the end from the beginning. From ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. And I love that, declaring the end from the beginning. From the ancient time, the things that are not yet done. So he knows the things that are yet to come and the things that he wants to do. I know here we're trying to figure out what God's purpose is for our lives. 
And he has a lot for us to do. But we need to be willing to submit everything to him and to develop the garden that we find ourselves in. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 12, it says this in the message version. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what are we living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and in everyone. So right now, if everyone could bow their heads. And I don't know where you are in your walk with God. Some of you are just probably starting it. Some of you have probably known God for a long time. But I tell you this, you only have one life to live. Only one. You have a select number of years, months, days, hours, minutes, and seconds to live. And we don't know how long it is for each of us. But all I know is that deep within our hearts, we want to see heaven's dreams, you could say, for our lives of why God created us be fulfilled. We don't want to let the enemies whisper to destroy us. We were created for a purpose, to develop and to guard what's before us. We don't even have to think about those things even anymore. Whatever's before us, we need to work hard to honor God and to maximize what's before us. But what are we choosing to write our lives in a journal? Is it what God wants or is it what the enemy wants? Who's writing the story of your life? Because it should be your decisions alone with the whispers of God behind you. Or is it your decisions with the whisper of the serpent? If you're here today and you just want to surrender your life to God, understanding that it's no more about complaining, it's no more about wondering if when I get to a certain de destination in the future. It's about doing what you have to do today, embracing today for God, doing what you have to do to maximize everything that's in your realm of responsibility to make a difference for God so you can love him, so you can make disciples and you could change the world around you where you are. If you choose to surrender and to see and desire for God's will for your life to be done, I want you just to stand where you're at as we close in prayer. Father God, we're gathered here as a family because we love you, but not just with words, but with actions. God, we come before you because we surrender our life to you right now, God. We give you our heart, we give you our mind, we give you our soul. We give you our lives. 
You, you, in the scriptures, it says that you know every day that's recorded for our life. God, every single day that we're meant to be here, God, we give you every day into the future as well. God, our past is our past, and we submit our past into your hands. There are certain decisions that we're not proud of, certain things we would love to change. But God, the past is the past, and we can't go back into that time. So we just surrender that to you right now, this moment. For some of us in this room, we ask God that you would heal their heart. That nothing from their past would become an obstacle of where you want to take them, God. I pray that they would forgive themselves as well. God, we leave the past into your hands. And even the things that didn't go according to your plans, God. God, we pray that you would work all things for good. God, when it comes to the future, God, we don't know what the future holds. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We're no longer going to drive ourselves crazy, worrying about the future, planning for the future, just being overwhelmed that one day we'll do the things for you. God, the future is in your hands. We trust you that you're going to lead us into the paths that you want us to be on. So God, the future, all the decisions in it, all the relationships that we might have in it, all the decisions that we have to make, everything, we just leave in your hands. But now, God, the present. Teach us to embrace the present. Teach us to look at the present through your eyes, God. When you walked on this earth, you didn't walk worrying about the future or the past. You maximized the present. You saw what was before you, and you did everything you can to develop the garden that you were planted in. So, God, I pray that we would do the same, that we would embrace the present, that we wouldn't overlook opportunities to develop that we would love those that are around us, even if they speak differently than us, even if they, they're from another country or a different shade of color in our skin. God, that we would love everyone unconditionally the way that you would want us to love. God, we pray that our journal, the journal that we hold, God, would, this, would be written out with you holding the pen, God. God, that you would write the story of our lives, God, as we make the decisions to fall in line with what's on your heart. So we give you everything in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you. Enjoy your Sunday. Before you leave, give someone a hug that you don't know.